0: So, moving on, uh, we got an email in from Mark, and he says, on the Red Hat Rogue episode, I'm going to guess most people will disagree with JT. Well,
1: (laughs) as it turns out,
0: you are correct, sir. He goes on and says, I think most people are missing the underlying point that JT was building his argument upon, and I think Jeff missed it as well. Possibly. Because it seemed like he was basing everything he said on the, and he he has quotes here, for those that are listening, fantasy that open source makes all things better. However, I think JT was wrong for not coming out and saying it. I don't know why he didn't, it needed to be stated. JT, if I'm wrong, correct me. If I'm right, why didn't you address it? Hmm. Hey Jeff, would you believe that something I said struck a nerve with
1: some people, and they had some words to say back to me? I would, but I wouldn't expect them to use words, but more hand gestures, or one in particular, that I'm thinking of. Well, it's kind of hard to do hand gestures over the internet. Referring to you as number one, perhaps. But, I'm not surprised by the feedback, so uh, let's hear it. Let's hear what they said. Yeah, so...
0: We got a bunch of feedback about our Red Hat Going Rogue episode, which Mm -hmm. I kind of knew that one was going to strike a few nerves, and we were going to have some people have some things to say, and Mm -hmm. they did, uh, so we're going to cover that. So, David writes in, and he goes uh, that, you know, on that episode, I was listening to this while taking a walk, and you really had me wanting to yell out my responses. Good job. Thank you. He says, "I see ecosystems. I, I see the ecosystem like grocery stores. I can go and walk into a grocery store and buy check cereal. If a new cereal comes out from a big vendor, they will have it. Yet, I still have choice to where I'm going to what grocery store. Uh, in my area, there are big players like uh, Jewel, Osco, and niche players like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. There are specialty grocery stores uh, that are you know becoming big in the area. How can all that exist if they have the same products?" Um, and he says, firstly, the market is large enough to support multiple. For some, it is just comes down to convenience near my house. For others, it's about differentiation. This could be their great bakery or the deli section. It could be their customer service. It could be their local products. Why are the different grocery chains good at different things? It is because they set up their organizations for ways that they can differentiate. If they are focusing on a smaller local brands, for instance, they need people in the place researching up and coming up with products, um, and to be able to adapt their supply chain to purchasing and to receive these products that may not follow industry standards, proper labeling, forecasting, etc. He says he goes on and says, The same is true for the Linux distribution ecosystem. The market share is large enough for multiple solutions to succeed. Even new solutions can come in in the future. It would be hard for a new player to come in and be a better Red Hat. Instead, mm. other companies in this space will need to focus on a specific area. If we take the local provider analogy into the space, we can compare it to a new software market or product. Is Red Hat in a position to adopt new products quickly? There is a lot of Red Hat's focus... Oh, wait, sorry. There is a lot of work to integrate these products into their larger Red Hat distribution, which you hinted at. Red Hat's focus may be on more larger, stable companies like financial companies. Mm -hmm. This puts them in a position to make a lot of revenue, but not in a position to adopt quickly. Smaller companies like Canonical are getting into this space by offering solutions for clouds and containers. If these technologies do catch on and mature, then Red Hat will adopt these products. By the time they do, the smaller players are on to the next, which might be successful or not. Other companies like SUSE focus on their certain geographies, presence in Europe versus the United States, or specific industry solutions, verticals, like their close partnership with SAP to be the preferred platform Mm. for running their enterprise software. In the end, the larger Red Hat gets, the more likely they are to be behind the trend or risk becoming known for only certain types of workloads. Mm -hmm. I listened to to a podcast many years ago, Back when Seuss was still a part of Novell, the person from Seuss talked a lot about competition. Competition, coopetition. I'm not actually sure how to pronounce that word, so I'll spell it: C O O P E T I T I O N. So it's kind of like cooperation, but cooperation and competition put together. I I get it. Oh, that's clever. Coopetation. I don't know how to say that. It's a
1: Maybe. Yeah, or coop Please like let I us know. Said, coop, yeah, yeah Coop. Uh, David, Whatever. how do let I us pronounce
0: know. that? Please let me know. <laughs> Record a little wave of, of you saying it so I know. Um, this is the term he coined to refer how to how companies compete with a common code base. Keep up the good discussions on the show. So, I Thank get you. where David is going. I really do. And I I think, I'm not going to say that, well, let me, let me rephrase that. I think there is a difference between talking about Grocery stores which Mm -hmm. have to deal with physical products and technology which deals with virtual software I -hmm. I think there's a difference there and I I don't think David is trying to make a one-to-one equation here Um, I don't think that's the case because in my area uh, Well, you've been to my area Jeff, you Mm -hmm. know, I have two options. I have the grocery store and I have Walmart Mm -hmm. Those are my options, right? Like that's it. Well, Um, yeah, and, and and what is there? Well, it's they both have the same stuff Mm -hmm. Um, Now back where I used to live there was a a grocery store that I went to now I chose to go there because the staff were friendlier Mm -hmm. Um, I liked the layout of the store a little better But it didn't really matter because at the end of the day I had to go where the products I wanted to buy are right and You know that grocery store did not carry certain things that I wanted So I still had to go to Walmart to get other things and I still had to go to Food Lion to get other things because I wanted those exact products Mm -hmm. so they tried to differentiate, but at the end of the day, if I'm going after a product, I have to go where the product is. Right. Now, this is different, of course, when we're talking about online Linux and stuff like that, because... Yeah, that's true. It's... There isn't that actual physical problem of distribution, of, you know, first yeah, actually gathering. Actually, like, your supply chain is completely different.
1: You can pack all the software into your distribution that you conceivably want, or, or right. allow it to be packed in, like... A, People put up their third party repos to the mm-hmm. right standard and they just expand it. There's no extra cost for you to have more. Yeah. And there used I to mean, be physical limitations based on how much space you had on the DVD, but that's we haven't, right. you know, and I haven't mean, talked with, about that with, in 10 years.
0: With repos and containers, you know, you have the option of I have a Core Base OS. If something new and hot comes out tomorrow, well, I can pull that in, have it as an option to install. It's not necessarily supported, mm-hmm. but I can have it available. But I mean, yeah, there are ways for different companies to distinguish themselves. And I mean, SUSE is a good job. However, SUSE makes nowhere near the amount of money that Red Hat does. SUSE does true. not have the market share that Red Hat does. Neither mm. does Canonical. And I'm not saying that there will never be niche markets because there always will be. But my worry is that those niche markets are not going to differentiate enough that effectively Red Hat can't. Just control the direction of everything.
1: Mm -hmm. So then, taking this to the physical realm, I like the grocery store analogy quite a bit Mm -hmm. because the grocery store is the building within which all these other vendors are putting their stuff, and the grocery store says, "Yes, you. We're going to stock your stuff, but we're not going to stock that guy's stuff because that guy's stuff doesn't sell as well, or it has a purple rhinoceros on the on the front label, and I hate rhinoceri or something." I don't know if that's. But, you know, so it's a good, it's a, somewhat of a good analogy, but it's easier as for a grocery store to differentiate themselves. But of the lot we were talking about the deli. Do you actually need a deli for it to be a grocery store? No, probably not, but it's certainly, they're almost always coincident because you like to be able to serve, wrong term, but live meat, you know, as opposed to something that's been pre-packaged and just go pick it up. I mm-hmm. want half a pound of that roast beef. I believe we call that fresh meat. Fresh, Jeff. Thank you. Not that's, live. That's usually the fresh. word most people use. Well, okay, live. It was live at one point, so I was technically still accurate. But it's yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's you're not buying it live anymore. It's definitely dead now. Well, it's how do you know? Fresh. How do you know? <laughs> Depends on the market you go to, I guess. You shopping but, at Klingon markets
0: that I don't n- know about.
1: No, but uh, Michoacana could uh, possibly have something that they literally just slaughtered. I don't know. I, I've never actually been in one of those, but uh, we have a very strong Hispanic influence, and they do things differently. In, right, in this but it's area. still not alive. Okay. It was formerly alive not too long ago, maybe, is is the one I'm trying to make. Okay. Anyway, I'll 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 let you slide on that. You've now completely distracted me from what I was trying to say, so let me see if I can recapture it here. It's easier to differentiate yourself as a grocery store. The physical limitations actually cause it, like you're saying. This store did not have my particular brand or flavor of cheesy poof, so I have to go to Walmart to get that, you know, whatever, or ice cream. You know, I, I have to go to Kroger because there's this one flavor of ice cream that I adore and Kroger is the only one that makes it. It's actually, I think, a Kroger house brand. Uh, it is moose tracks for anybody who's wanting to ask. It's amazing. It's I don't know how they do it. I wanna I want to learn how to how to make it, but they have actual fudge that they it's molten when they put it in there. And it's like it's it's like lava in the middle of rocky ice cream. So you're digging through and you hit all of a sudden this fudge layer. It's amazing. It's it's so good. But only Kroger really has it. I saw the same flavor name at Target one time. I think that the company that came up with the flavor had licensed it to this other company. It, was, it tasted nothing the same. It was just just the name. I was very right upset about that. But that's a thing that Kroger has that others don't. You can't really do that in the open source realm. You can't really do that in the distribution realm. Because uh, all the software you make, unless you're putting it under the lock and key and it's closed source, then anybody else can take it like we talked about earlier. You can't differentiate on what's in your store. You only, really, you only can differentiate on how you sell it and how you support it, I guess, maybe, at the distribution level. Certainly at the software, going down at the software level, you can just differentiate yourself. I mean, we have three, maybe even more than three, uh, major forks of MySQL, and they all coexist. There's a reason for each of them. Mariah, Maria, Mariah, I don't know how to say it, actually. That was uh, that came out after the sale, right? About a year after the sale. And they're like, okay, we've uh, this is already boring. Just, we don't like what Oracle's doing. Time to go make our own version. And Percona, which is my personal favorite, uh, the guy, uh, Peter, speaks at the conference every year several times. He's mm-hmm. a fantastic speaker, very, very highly intelligent. Uh, I've loved his blog for a long time. And that's why I picked Percona, because I'm like, the brains behind this particular variant they're producing tools that nobody else has that they have to come back and pick up. And so you can differentiate yourself differentiate yourself that way at that level. But for a distribution, I'm sure Red Hat supports all three of those. Maybe even intrinsically. You can have all three straight from Red Hat. You don't have to go to extended packages or anything. But I I'm, I'm certain that you can go to each one of those and they have a repository hosting Red Hat packages. Each one of them wants to be on Red Hat. I guess at the end of the day, the way you differentiate yourself in open source is you just be better than everybody else to the point where there's no point trying to use something else. How else do you do it? So, and I think I kind of drifted a little bit from where I originally intended. Thank you for that on your comments yeah, on welcome. live Meet. Just another service I provide, Jeff. Yes. Yes. You're very good at um, that.
0: And I, okay. So on the distribution angle, uh, another person had a comment kind of in line with that. Moist. And he said, uh, that he found the episode interesting, and he wanted, his question is, but does FOSS history support JT's theory? Everything Red Hat does is open source. They have seen success in the enterprise market, but Ubuntu started after them. Did not adopt all of Red Hat's great ideas, and they're still gaining market share. And perhaps have surpassed Red Hat's market share by a significant margin in the website served space. Yeah, because it's free and there's no license. So anybody mm. who wants to spin <laughs> up a web server is going to use Ubuntu because it's free. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I that gives them market share but that does not get them money to keep them going. Canonical has had a revenue generation problem for a wow. while.
1: You cannot feed your family on downloads. That doesn't work. Unless someone pays you first to download, and then that's not, they're not going to do that. Because if they were willing to pay, they would probably go get Red Hat, frankly. Um, so he goes well, I guess on to not say, anymore. Now you can go get Red Hat for free for 16 licenses.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he goes on to say, System D. most of the major distributions got behind, but there are definitely significant distributions that don't have system D as a fault. Mm-hmm. I would kind of argue significant there. Um, there are distro, distros that do not have system D as default. I don't know if I would call them significant. And I, I say that very timidly because <laughs> you know I love Slackware, and Slackware does not have this. Yeah, I
1: was about to, but where's he going with I, this?
0: I, yep. I don't know if I would call Slackware a significant distribution these days. They it's, definitely were, but they're now kind of a smaller niche distribution. It's notable,
1: but not significant. Okay, you know? that's a that's a fair, so I think that's a good way to put it. So it, it's notable, it. long history, and also some distributions become notable purely because they choose not to do system D as right. the way to differentiate yourself. Void still doesn't use system D's, I know, right? No, they use, uh, they use run it, and I'm going It. stop talking on, about that right now. Yeah. You, don't, you love run it so much. You you take that back. <laughs> you take that back. I refuse. No, we'll we'll hash that out soon in another episode. How about that? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so anyway,
0: uh, to get back to what Mois said,
1: because we're going to focus
0: on his feedback and not right. on my my loathing of run it. Not, Tom, uh, I could hit packs, you or something. He said flat packs were developed, but Canonical used snaps, or developed snaps. Well, yeah, that's because Canonical has uh, NIH syndrome. For those that don't <laughs> know, that's not invented here. Mirror. They always have to try to reinvent the wheel.
1: They do. They've got so such says, a bad habit of that.
0: Red Hat developed Podman, but Canonical had LXD for a while. Why didn't Red Hat just gobble up LXD instead of putting effort into Podman? Um, Now, I don't know for sure that Red Hat didn't have LXD as an option. Mm
1: -hmm. I think they did.
0: I think they did. They preferred Podman, but it was, you know, again, you could use whatever you wanted. Because that's a really stupid idea for them if there's a software out there that people want to use, them going, no, you can't use that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, that kind of applies to the system D argument, but then also kind of doesn't because that's so integral that it's not just a tool that you use. And I went on, to, I, I replied to say that the argument, the whole thought experiment, was a worst case scenario thought experiment. Yes, it was. This is not something that, you know, is, oh, yeah, it's going to happen in two years. This is a worst case situation. And he said, I know it was just a worst case thought experiment. But it seems like the GPL and FOSS causes more solutions to the same problem with enterprise companies choosing one platform over another for a variety of different reasons. It is surprising oh. to me how different distributions can be from one another, even though we can and are able to pull all the same bits from the same pool. Yes. This is true. So many distributions are varied in so many different ways. He goes, my son recently discovered that his older Dell laptop has a built-in webcam and mic. He thought the mic was broken because on MX Limit, Linux, blah, MX Linux, it just records garbage noise but on the latest version of Kubuntu, it works like a charm. I imagine the fix for that is available and open source somewhere, but Kubuntu did include it, but the MX team probably doesn't know about it. Otherwise, they would include it too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you end up with one distribution that works well uh, on hardware, on a laptop, and another doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that is more of a consumer perspective and an end-user perspective and not an enterprise perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, 100% agree with what you're saying, Moist. Yeah, the, the variation in distros is enormous, and they they can all survive because we all have different needs and different use cases and different ways that we like to interact with our system. However, in the enterprise space, the list of things that are required is very, very minimal, and usually number one is it just works. So...
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think so. The Being
0: able to differentiate yourself in an enterprise distribution is not the same thing as being able to... Dis- differentiate yourself in a community desktop distribution.
1: Because I don't think the community users are going to be wanting to pick up the phone and get support or not expecting it. But the business is expecting, I bought your software, I paid you money, I pick up the phone and I get somebody within two minutes. Talk to me what's going wrong.
0: Yeah. And enterprise's use case is so different that Mm -hmm. a lot of variation isn't really what they want. They Mm -hmm. want something that is stable that they can bank on
1: and they know how it's going to behave. Cattle. They want cattle. Yeah, especially on the on the Linux stuff. They want cattle, which which speaking of we have been also people had, sometimes some companies
0: Yeah, we had on our list of things to talk about an episode on cattle versus pets and we have mm. never gotten around to that yet
1: Oh gosh. Well I we, don't uh, think today's the right time for it. No but today's we'll, we'll definitely not the that. day. Let's go. We definitely soon. need to
0: get that one done.
1: hmm I agree. I agree
0: um so Uh, Continuing on, Will wrote in, and he goes, I thought Jeff did a good job of responding to the Red Hat Rogue episode. Well, Will, you're wrong. Jeff did a horrible job. Um, I (laughs) discount this feedback.
1: Okay. Thank you, Will. I appreciate it. I'm ignoring what JT has to say, but like normal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Will goes on to say that I felt like I was missing something about the premise. So uh, there's another bit of feedback that's going to be coming up in a little bit, which I think will help fill in the gap, maybe. Okay. So I'll, I'll we're going to put a pin in that uh, all right. and come back to that. But he goes, couldn't anyone just take all the GPL code and resell it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and isn't this basically what the Oracle version of Linux is? Yes. Uh, in my view, Red Hat, Canonical, and SUSE don't compete on software. They compete on support, services, and pricing. When I think of Red Hat going rogue, Red Hat becoming the overwhelming choice for enterprises Linux isn't the problem I see. Instead, I see a Red Hat that becomes narrowly focused on the needs of their customers and stops supporting projects that benefit the community, like GNOME, which I imagine gives a lower direct return on investment compared to projects that support enterprise uh, use cases like web serving. It's good, yeah. Which is a fantastic point. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, I think we went over—if it wasn't in that episode, it was in the uh, the CentOS episode that we did. The amount of stuff that Red Hat does for the community is enormous it is really enormous it's amazing and yeah if if they pull their support on all of the other things that's definitely going to have a negative impact i mean one could argue that's kind of what oracle did once they took over sun and we're all like oh all of these projects yeah yeah no, they, not
1: yeah
0: or like with uh with solaris you know they're like oh we're gonna yeah once we're, we're gonna put out the updates um, and then we'll, we'll release the source later for those updates. And right. then they did.
1: We're still waiting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had installed on a little suitcase uh, file server, uh, open Solaris-based distribution back in the early days of ZFS. And I really enjoyed it, but I was following somebody else's playbook or, or walkthrough to make it because I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make something easy. And supposedly they were gonna come up with the next version, and I was waiting, I was waiting for the year. It's called I think the distro is called Eon informally. Okay, I haven't heard of that one. Um, um, I knew I'm of Illumos. It's not it's not that one. It's something Are you talking Omni? No, I don't believe so. I believe it's called Eon, E-O-N. So maybe I should look for okay. that. But they you know, ZFS progress was continuing, but Eon mm-hmm. didn't go anywhere. And then all of a sudden a massive boom and it like absorbed the last 18 months of stuff that it was skipping. And it wasn't, I think it was not because they were trying to make sure everything was put together well, it was just because they didn't get around to doing it. And then at that point, I don't think I ever remember seeing another update again. So I was like, okay, I can't keep doing this. Uh, I got to move to something else. But Mm. they had, um, it was supposedly going to be supported by the powers that be, but it wasn't. Just kind of withered on the vine and died. And I was kind of disappointed in that. Mm. I wonder if anybody else has used Eon. It can't be just me. I don't know. I, I will have to look into it because I don't. I don't recall the name.
0: But yeah, to 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 Will's point, I, I think he raises a very valid point and a very valid concern is that if Red Hat becomes 100 business focused and they decide, well, you know, all these engineers that we're paying to work on all these other side projects, maybe maybe we should not mm-hmm. have them work on that. Yeah, that could be bad for all of us, and that's something I hope they don't do. Now they do offer workstation. Uh, licenses, so I think GNOME will probably still be around, but perhaps not the level of development um, that it has had. uh, Uh, Yeah, that's
1: kind of what I'm expecting. Oh, I found it. EON, Embedded Operating System Slash Networking. Hmm. It was designed around... EON is a small Solaris ZFS NAS image based on OpenSolaris. This is a RAM-based live slash install image which runs from CD, USB or compact flash. Yep, that's it. That's the we one.
0: will, uh, we will put a link in the show notes to that if you're yeah. uh,
1: curious to read more about that. Yeah, it's kind of neat. It's very old, too, so. Anyway. Uh,
0: okay, so moving on, um, a friend of mine, Alex, wrote in, and, this Is this uh, an email? Yeah, this was an email. Oh, excellent. Yay.
1: I don't know how many emails we're getting.
0: I think one of these others was an email, too. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, um. Uh, I think David's was an email, and I don't know about Will's. Will's might have been as well. Anyway, uh, Alex said, uh, "By the way, hi Alex." From your episode <laughs> about Red Hat going rogue, I think Jeff touched on a good point. Well, I disagree, Alex. Your feedback <laughs> is crap. <laughs> that's that's two pieces of feedback we've gotten that have been. Uh, We're just going to be
1: doing this pattern over again, aren't we? Yeah, pretty much. Well, okay. He
0: talked about the man sitting around the corner uh, to service a company in under ten minutes. JT kept saying Oracle Hat can take all the software. Well, so can Sousa Canonical. Yeah, and I think I acknowledge that fact as well. But Alex goes on, uh, the thing that will set companies apart is the services they offer around GPL software. SuSE offers slightly different services than Canonical, which differs from what Red Hat offers. They all are serving the same software, just wrapped up differently. It's like if the local pizza shop gave, all, gave out all of their recipe to anyone who asked for it. The mm-hmm. only differentiator would be, how clean is the restaurant? Do they have enough staff to serve me during dinner rush? I think the company that slays Oracle hat will be the one that offers service around the software that Oracle hat can't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I understand what you're saying here, Alex, and because we're friends, (laughs) I'm, I'm giving the, uh, the harshness of my feedback to you because I I know, (laughs) I know you won't take it personally, but uh, one of the things that I alluded to in the episode, I would say proves this wrong. And that is, you know, we, we mentioned how Oracle treats their customers like, crap. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that they don't offer better services or better software than other options out there on the market. People still use Oracle, no matter how bad Oracle is, even though there are better options and cheaper options and with companies that will treat them well, the companies don't move. They stay with Oracle. And in 2020... Oracle made 39 billion dollars. Oh my gosh.
1: I didn't know it was that much.
0: Yeah. Whoa So like there is 39 billion reasons why offering better services does not mean That another company is going to be able to topple
1: or capture 1% that... of that. That's 390 million dollars oh, in oh. revenue
0: Yeah, and and that's not the only example that I have let's let's talk oh. about another company that treats its people Not employees, but the the consumers the people who use them like crap, uh, that that would be Facebook.
1: <laughs> Facebook. That's because the people they treat like crap are the product.
0: Yeah, Facebook made eighty five billion last year.
1: Oh my gosh! Hold on,
0: I've oh, got wow. more. Google, of course. Again, we are the product, but we're also the users. Google made one
1: hundred and seventy one billion last year. Well, so that's Google, not Alphabet. That's just Google, the advertising. All right. Well, uh, that's Alphabet. Okay. Okay. So they're uh, they so that's other Google, Facebook, But the lion's share is the, Google. Yeah.
0: And we, we, we went off about Apple the, the a couple of weeks ago and all mm. the grimy stuff they do. Apple made $274 billion
1: last year. Oh my year. gosh. Oh my gosh.
0: In the last five years, Apple has made a trillion dollars in revenue. In just wow. the last five years. Over a trillion dollars. So those four companies right there treat the people that use their products like garbage. And there's $440 billion dollars just last year on those four companies. You
1: know what I say so, to that? I'm treating my customers too nice. Because so clearly, I, you, you got to treat your customers like crap so, to make all that so, money.
0: So, Alex, I've got 440 billion reasons why you're wrong. <laughs> if you have more to prove that I'm right, please bring them
1: up and, and 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 give them to me. I just like the part where he said, I did a good job. Thank you. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, but like, I understand, I understand what Alex is saying and I understand the idea and the sentiment, but I think this is because we want it to be true
1: mm-hmm.
0: more than we actually can look at the industry and say, oh yeah, this is true. Because here's the other thing, and anybody that uses one of those four companies that I just mentioned does not have the right to tell me that, oh, well, if you treat your customers bad, they're going to go find another option. If you use Oracle, <laughs> if you use Google, if you use Facebook, <laughs> or you use Apple, you can shut your mouth right now because you're proving my point by using them. You are That's getting treated like crap.
1: You know it. everybody? Yeah. So Why are we that not? that means Why- nobody has the right to say anything? Well, By that I, logic I th- that seems a little bit odd, but no, the go point ahead, I'm making
0: it. is the point I'm making is if if you want to take the argument of well, if a company is bad and treats their people bad, then those people are going to go to another company. And that person knowingly using Google, Facebook, blah 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 when they know what Google is doing and mm-hmm. all the, the people in this field, you and I and tech people, we know, we know what's, what's going, going on. on. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna make that argument, then you need to be the one that goes, "Okay, I'm cutting Google out of my life. I'm gonna use DuckDuckGo. I'm gonna use Proton Mail and Proton Drive or, or whatever. I'm gonna use something. I'm not gonna use Facebook for my social networking. I'm gonna use something else. If you're willing to stick with those customer with those companies even after you're getting treated like garbage, I don't think you have the legitimacy the the legitimacy to then argue that." Well, if a company treats you bad, you can go elsewhere.
1: Okay, so there's also an aspect here that you're not addressing, and that's the monopoly aspect. So Google and Facebook rule online advertising. If you want online advertising, almost certainly you're going to be going through one of those two, or both, probably both. You're probably spending with both. And I think we alluded in a previous episode about some companies choosing to stop spending their money on those Mm -hmm. and the positive results they've experienced. So hopefully other companies will realize that you know, we don't need these giants to do all the brokering for us. We can actually take care of some of this stuff on our own and, and whatever. But um, I, I it just, it comes down to everybody that wants to do advertising is going to touch Google and Facebook because you're trying to reach the customers and the customers mm-hmm. are in the thrall of Google and Facebook. That's mm-hmm. just, that's, if you decide to not go with one of them, you're not reaching most people. There are still other ways to do it. I know there's got to be other ad networks. There's got to be other ad delivery systems. There's got, you know, there's, there's got to be some. I don't, I, 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 I could go look at my uh, ad block list and find them out. Uh, but if you're spending money online advertising and you're not using those two, I think you would probably be in trouble with your boss because you're not getting the impressions that they're expecting. You're not getting the front and center NIST, I don't know the right terms for any of these. Mm-hmm. You have to go through one of these.
0: And so, this 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 feeds directly into what I'm saying. It doesn't matter how bad the company treats you, you're going to use it. It doesn't matter how bad Oracle treats their customers, they're going to stay Oracle customers because that's that's what they're accepting. So
1: okay, now there's a difference that, there, though. I'll say this: and Oracle, there is a good choice. There's better choices. We've discussed that. We've agreed that there are better choices to Oracle. I don't know that you could qualify a better choice to Google and Facebook when it comes okay, to advertising. So,
0: absolutely, I can say that is 100 percent wrong. And Jeremy. Okay. Sands of self knows this Because he told me about this he was getting Treated like garbage by google For ads mm-hmm. on his uh, Sports website that does forums For a whole bunch of college sports mm-hmm. He switched to a different uh, Ad I don't know how all that stuff Works because I haven't looked into it and he's explained it to me Like three times and I've just been like uh-huh Uh-huh, uh-huh. okay <laughs> yeah I forgot everything you just Said um, But when he left and went To another one the amount of money he Way weigh- made skyrocketed because they were actually competing his business. Huh. And then, interestingly enough, Google then raised their rates to try to compete with the other ones. But th- oh. the point is, there are plenty of other options out there, even in the ad space.
1: Okay. Well, I am guess I'm showing my ignorance there then. Yeah. I thought for sure you were. Maybe I'm thinking here, I'll, I'll call for of this larger corporations. What are the odds that they're going to go with one of the small guys? Um, I would think it'd be, let's say this exclusively with one of the small guys. I think if, if you're shotgunning like Frito Lay. You know, they have, I don't know how many millions to spend on advertising. We're going to see some of it tomorrow, probably. No doubt. Um, the oh, first is sports that, ball, ball on? Is, yeah, is there sports, sports yes, ball on? Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a superb owl that's going to be on TV for a couple of hours. I don't know if people oh. really love owls or something. It's, it's pretty amazing. But, uh, okay. something, every one day a year, every year, there's some really big thing about owls. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's the day I learned. Yeah. No, but, um, I hope you enjoy the owl watching tomorrow. But Frito-Lay, they're going to, let's say they go and use this third-party, this whatever advertising service that you're talking about. There's just, I don't, uh, I'm trying to think of how would it work for Frito-Lay that they would not be using one of these other ads. They're not going to get coverage where people are.
0: Well, no, um, because a know? big company like that is going to be using multiple outlets. Exactly. They're not exactly. just using one.
1: They're not. They're they're shotgunning a lot of different outlets. And right. If one does particularly well, then they may move some of the money that they're putting towards another one towards that one instead. You know? like. Uh, Survival of the fittest. All of you ad networks, whichever is best, you get more. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's actually not a bad way to do things. But they're big corporations, so I think they're always going to have an account with Google and Facebook, and they're always going to use it to some degree. So then, okay, let's let's take them out of the equation. Then, to smaller, medium, medium, and smaller, you know, small cap, mid cap companies, they don't have to use Google or Facebook. But if they don't, they're probably going to miss some users. And there's reasons that you would want to be on Facebook because you've got a captive audience. And if you pay Facebook well enough, they will literally throw your product in the face of their users endlessly. Not not endlessly. I mean, you got to pay for impressions, but um, the amount of time that someone is spending on Facebook and they're going back to it over and over and over again, going back to the trough, going back to the trough, going back for this, going back to that, posting, oh, somebody liked this. That's, That's gold for an advertiser. If you can Every time someone goes back, or not every time, let's say every third time you go back to open Facebook, you see Frito Lay Doritos or something. You know, it's going to have an impact over time. Whether we like to say we're resistant to advertising or not, it's going to have an impact. So you won't get that same product going with another third party because they're not Facebook and they don't have the captive product that's getting users to come back over and over and over again. Same thing with Google. Google's got the captive product of search. People need to search to find things on the net. It's as commonplace now as driving or walking. I pull up my phone and I Google for something and find it. It's it's a verb. It's become a verb. But DuckDuckGo offers similar, if not superior, search results without a lot of the tracking and stuff. I use DuckDuckGo for that reason. I actually wondered for a while if DuckDuckGo was like the quiet extension of Google for, well, we can't actually... Harvest their data, but we still want to make sure that they're going through our networks and not somebody else's. So we'll go ahead and put this thing up for those that just need to make a last stand. I I wanted that for a while. Controlled opposition. Yeah, I guess because Microsoft had done that sometimes, or they'll buy a company sneakily and not really trumpet it and pretend like it's still a competitor when it's not. Or there have been times like Intel had to fund their competitor AMD for a while, and Microsoft had to fund some of their competitors because of the antitrust stuff. They funded Apple
0: for quite a while.
1: Yeah, quite a while. They had to antitrust uh, regulation and other reasons. So actually, but, uh, Apple and Microsoft had a partnership on some things. It was weird too. But I guess what I'm getting at is, for a small and a mid cap company, uh, it's really hard to. I guess I can't just universally say because it's down to the product they're selling. A, a smaller mid cap um, consulting firm for uh, oil or petroleum or something or, or well drilling, they're not really trying to get impressions for people on Facebook. You're not really going to get. Or better fees, or my people knowing who you are. Like uh, BASF tried this for a while. They they, they just tried this advertising campaign. They're like, we don't make the things you use. We make the things you use better, or something like that. And I'm like, okay, why do I need to know that? What does that do? I'm not gonna pick up the phone and go, oh, can you? I've got a cup here. Can you make this cup better? That's not what I'm gonna do. So why did BASF, BASF pay all that money to pay on national uh, advertise on national TV? What does it net them? What did it get them? So, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at here is for, when we're talking about the advertising thing, consumer goods have to be treated differently than other services. And the consumer goods products, especially the large ones, the large companies that are doing that, they're, they have to go through Facebook. They have to. I won't say they don't have any choice, but if they were to not go through Facebook, then they're leaving a lot of money on the table, in my opinion. So, it's not quite like the same that's a long very long winded way to say it's not the same thing uh, oracle there's there's much better alternatives with better support and certainly less oracle i think that's the main selling point of all the alternatives it's less oracle but um yeah it's different i, I get what you're, i get what you're around. saying
0: about the, the advertisement thing mm-hmm. but the, that's a it's not really a one to one analogy for tech yeah. and stuff like that where oracle is which is why that's where i went at first and okay. why we we had the oracle hat you know moniker that we were talking about because that is more directly applicable to business and enterprise mm-hmm. in the tech space. And the fact is, it doesn't matter how bad Oracle treats their customers, their customers want to stay and use Oracle. And Oracle's revenue has been consistent too. Mm-hmm. It has not been falling. So, like, it's it not like they're chipping away at it, There's, it's it, still there. Yeah. It doesn't matter how bad they treat people, their customers are sticking with them. So mm-hmm. just saying, oh well, you know, somebody else can provide a better service and better software. Yeah, but it hasn't made an impact. It hasn't mattered. Mm-hmm. So moving on, uh, we got an email in from Mark, and Hello, he says Mark. on the Red Hat Rogue episode, I'm going to guess most people will disagree with JT. Well, <laughs> as it turns out, you are correct, sir. He goes on and says, I think most people are missing the underlying point that JT was building his argument upon, and I think Jeff missed it as well. Possibly. Because it's, Seemed like he was basing everything he said on the and he has he has quotes here for those that are listening, fantasy that open source makes all things better. However, I think JT was wrong for not coming out and saying it. I don't know why he didn't. It needed to be stated. JT, if I'm wrong, correct me. If I'm right, why didn't you address it? Mm. So uh yeah, I, I did I did kind of shy away from that because My my worry was if I brought that up, which I will go into in this feedback episode, if I brought that up, that would have been the focus that everybody had was on that and not Mm. the red hat going rogue thing. And I didn't want that to become the main contention. But I think it is an important perspective that perhaps without having that nugget of wisdom in the head, maybe some of the things that I said, people didn't hear the way I meant it. But the fact is, is that It is not always the case that open source software leads to a positive outcome. We Mm -hmm. want to believe that it does. We absolutely want to believe that it does. But that is not the world we live in. For all of open source's benefits, I mean, it has led to the creation of companies and corporations that rival nation states in power and control of society around the world. Google, Facebook, Amazon, all of these guys have built their business on top of open source software.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Open source software has not democratized power And it has not led to the utopia of a plethora of possible options What it has actually done is empower massive control by very few entities And those entities would never have been able to accomplish what they have done Without the use of open source Because no company would have been able to create all the software needed And all of the other things to become as powerful as they are Facebook, Amazon, Google, would not be what they are without the ability to leverage open source software as they need. I agree you know, with that too. The, the open source, you know, gives us options. Fantasy. It sure is. As individuals, you and I, we have we have a lot of choice. But yet, on a broader level, we kind of don't. I
1: was about to say, do we
0: really? We have a lot of choice over uh, over minimal things, but the big important things, we don't really have choice over, or not much of a choice over. Now, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is, of course, system D. Yes, there are absolutely distributions that are holding out. There are even distributions that have spun up just to not use Systemd. But by and large, if you step back and look objectively, Red Hat made a decision, and 90% of the industry followed. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it happened. All the arguments, all the debate, didn't matter. Red Hat made the decision, Red Hat put the entire Linux ecosystem on that train, and that's where it went. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that in this thought experiment... Of Red Hat being going evil that they would not make decisions that would be bad for us that wouldn't again just be followed because they're setting the direction for the development and the advancement of Linux.
1: That's the playbook. As you grow larger you gain more control over the market you're dominating. Right. And then you start bending the customers to your will. That's how Oracle has grown to the Mm -hmm. 9,000-headed Hydra that it is now. But, uh, you know, you have to build an ecosystem within which to capture your clients. Amazon's particularly good at that. They have a thing for everything, and sometimes two or three things for your thing, just in case the first thing is not good for you, you know? And they're constantly evolving. That's one of the things that makes them valuable. But it also, I've long since shed any affection for AWS. I feel like it's one big game that I'm always losing. There's always another deal to be had if I would just put a little more effort into it, or if I would just learn the system a little bit more. I hate that. I just, give me some resource, give me a flat fee, I'm done. That's why I go to Linode you know, to Rackspace, or, or one of those, because I can get flat everything. I don't need to play the game of, ooh, if I build my system that it doesn't have long-term storage, then I can save 20%. Now, I just, I don't want to be thinking about all that and conforming the way I'm building my systems to AWS. There's a lot of clients that like that, or want that, or don't mind it, because they can save some money but they're ac- acceding to the will of Amazon at that point. So if Amazon decides that we are going to outlaw VPCs and everything's going to be, you know, take it out. I don't know if they would do that. I'm just picking something out of a hat. Right. What choice does the company who's decided to invest all in on Amazon or AWS, what choice do they have? They have to go along with it. So that's the playbook. You get big enough, you control it, and then you start changing things that benefit you and reinforce your market position. That's what right. that's what's supposed to happen. Open mm-hmm. source is somewhat of a shield against that. But not all the way. You well, know? yeah, but
0: I like, yes, it can be a shield of that on the micro scale. But again, on, on the, the macro scale, scale yeah. like I said, Amazon wouldn't be where it is to have its market dominance if it wasn't for the fact that open source was around.
1: Mm-hmm. I also um, think it's curious. Is, Amazon has chosen to build their Amazon Linux. That's on Red Hat, not on Ubuntu, as I recall. Yeah, it's based on Red Hat. It's based on Red Hat. So I don't know if that's meaningful, but it seems like. That was a the decision they made, and that's the default image in AWS when you spin up a system. If you don't specify, it goes to Amazon Linux. So, there's another example. They made a decision whether you like it or not. You have other choices, but you know they're, you're going in the direction Amazon wants. You're marching to the mm-hmm. beat that they say.
0: And we don't know level. that they're not on the back end doing some weird shenanigans. Mm-hmm. That well, if it's if it's if this container or system or whatever is using Amazon Linux, we're not going to throttle, but if they're using another thing mm-hmm. we might just go ahead and throttle them by 2%. Deprioritize or a little bit. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, see, the thing about technology is it, it exaggerates human characteristics and mm. human qualities. I like that. That's well put. To use the military term, it's a force multiplier. Mm,
1: and God, I do I not that feel
0: term. that too many... Uh, okay. I feel that too many open source people have sort of a weird utopian idea that technology will Always make the world a better place. Now I do believe that technology can but it can also make the world a horrible place
1: Yes, the difference can.
0: is the person who's wielding it And mm-hmm. as long as there are humans who will do things for their personal benefit regardless of the cost to others We always have to remain vigilant against bad actors. hmm and since technology just exaggerates human action, and we can look at the history of humanity, uh, well, if we go by that, you'll see that that usually technology always gets used badly,
1: mm, always, almost always at first. It, um, yes. Like,
0: there's a reason that the major technological jumps in knowledge and advancement uh, just happen to coincidentally line up with every time there's war. Like, interesting how that happens. Mm-hmm. Then after the war, we figure out, oh, that let's let's figure out how to use that advancement to mm-hmm. a peaceful way and until the next war, and then it's, okay, how can we kill the other people more effectively? I do think that many people in open source only see things from an ideological bent that it will always be good, and yeah. that it's just going to work out, and the end result's always going to be better. And it's a problem getting into a discussion like this, because I think when someone has that perspective, they're entering the conversation with an automatic assumption that open source equals positive outcome. And Effectively, they're arguing backwards. They're starting with the conclusion that's already been decided mm-hmm. and then building the argument and Justifying the argument to what makes that conclusion correct. You're saying they're instead not the
1: objective in this right, evaluation Instead of
0: working through a situation logically and seeing where it takes you. They start from the well open source makes things better Therefore you're wrong because mm. open source will make things better because there's more options.
1: Mm. So I, I think, think you might be right. I think For some a are, lot of people, not everybody. Yeah, are starting be exceptions.
0: from the end result of what they want to be true and then arguing to get to that so that the argument then arrives at that point.
1: But I think, though, that's one of the things about software and specific that maybe other industries don't have. I can't bend the laws of physics to make a better widget if I'm already at the limit of what physics says I can do. But I can write other software. I don't like that thing. I can write something else. Especially in the open source world, I can write one piece that replaces the other piece and actually recompile it and I don't have to write the whole thing. Software enables change and transition that other physical products do not or other services do not. So there's a particular, maybe it's that uh, this particular thing feeds the image that open source will win in the end and it's always going to be better because so many times have I seen open source doing a better job or competing more than uh, a Microsoft product. There's a couple of key Microsoft products that I admire. Uh, their SQL Server is quite good. It actually runs on Linux for the last couple of years, and it performs very well on Linux. So I understand. Some of their other softwares are, are pretty good. VS Code is particularly good. I use it for coding. If it work, uh, that and TextMate. So there are there are definitely some some bright spots in their portfolio, but otherwise a lot of their stuff is dreary and same thing that it's been for the last 20, 30 years with the same flaws and the same must click. They're doing better on supporting PowerShell scripting and exposing a lot of things, but you've got this massive landscape, and you have to enable each button to be exposed. It's not something that happens overnight. They've been working on it for ten years, twelve years, and you still got a ways to go. They've got a lot of stuff covered, but um, open source is soft. What's to say software in general, being that it's not real. I'm never. There's nothing I can touch. Maybe that changes the way we approach it and can lead towards this utopian ideal. When you really start looking at open source software, it's easy to fall into the trap of this will always, is always save us. It has in the past. It will always do so in the future. I could see that happening. What I'm trying to do here is figure out, does that happen in other industries? That'd well, okay. Question. So uh,
0: I would put some pushback on your argument about how, you know, the the physical thing and about how you can't change physics and i get where you're we are going with that Uh but i i am going to push back because everything that we have in our modern world today if you asked someone previously they would have said it was impossible and that science wouldn't allow it like you know they didn't we didn't we didn't believe as a species that flight was possible because our understanding was just that well it's impossible well then we found out oh actually it is possible. And then we tried to understand why it was possible, and through that, we learned a whole bunch more about science. And, I mean, that continues. That is a constant progress in science, is okay. that things that we thought were impossible, we find out aren't, either because we, we did experiments and found out that, hold on, there's something weird going on here, maybe we can exploit this. Or, we just actually did something and we're like, holy crap, so that's possible. Uh, why is that possible? And then we learn something. I mean, if you know, we were talking about retro hardware a while ago. Imagine going back to the, you know, the late 80s when, you know, people were rocking, well, at that point it was 8088s, 8286s, you know, Mm -hmm. these machines were out, and you talked about how you would have, you know, multiple CPUs with multiple cores in a single system running at gigahertz speed. They would look at you and go, that's impossible. That's a crazy system. That. Yeah, we, we don't like, do th- that. Yeah, Craze can't even do that. crazy can't operate at gigahertz speed across. Like, no, this is just scientifically impossible. Look, here's how the circuits work. They can't move that fast. We'll tell we figured out how they could. So I do want to push back a little on that, okay. but I don't, that's fair. I don't want to say that you were being disingenuous, but I think that in the physical space, it's a lot slower Okay. because there are restraints, but that it's not, you know, a hard line of what we, what is impossible because well everything that we do now at one point we pretty much thought was impossible mm-hmm. i mean you and i talking back and forth you're in texas i'm in maryland yeah that would have been considered impossible for a very long time but yeah mm-hmm. here we are doing it
1: mm-hmm.
0: and software definitely is is different in that if you can dream it up and you have the aptitude you can kind of make it happen mm-hmm. i mean it might be an extraordinarily complex code base and might need thousands of other developers to help along with it but you know if if you're using C++ or QT or, or whatever, and you want to accomplish something and there's not a pre-made class for you, well, you can make your own class. and mm-hmm. Now you have that in your tool bag. So yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely obvious progress with software. I just, I think that sometimes people, and I think this goes for all of us, we fall into the trap of seeing the progress and thinking, well, then obviously the progress will always continue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, we're working on Turing machines and they're, you know, Turing complete systems. Anything is theoretically possible. You have a long enough tape, you have enough memory, you have enough resources, anything theoretically can be done. Even sloppily. You know, you have a very, very bad I think uh we talked about uh, operating systems or I'm sorry, uh, languages we want to run and we want to learn, mm-hmm. and I alluded to a Sudoku solver in Prologue, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm certain sure, it's it's not the most efficient way to do it, but uh I just love the elegance of I don't need many statements to do it. So Anything is possible in software. So maybe I'm, I'm countering your argument here. I'm acknowledging that the things you say were, were mm-hmm. factual and valid, but software lives in a realm where anything is possible if you have enough resources. And well, that Jeff can
0: change can things. Yeah, it does. So I would ask you to. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask you to prove to prove this. Okay.
1: Oh no! This is one of those improvable theorems. I, I, I want you
0: to make some to make some software which makes me a ham sandwich.
1: That's possible, but it has to interface with the physical realm in some way. What are my constraints okay. on
0: that? Now you have no physical constraints. You can do whatever you
1: want. Okay, so I can take a robot and put software on it, and it makes his hands Absolutely. ham sandwich, sandwich for you? Okay, sure. Where's where's the barb in this? It's, it seems there there innocuous. is no barb. I just want a, I
0: want a robot that uses software to make me. You want a ham a sandwich. Ham sandwich. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, come on, man.
1: Okay. It's ham. It's good. It's good. The ham's a little bit salty. Maybe, maybe a turkey or maybe choice between the two. I mean... No, I'm, I'm going to stick with a ham sandwich. Okay. Well, you know what you like. You know what you like. Uh, yeah, I could do that. Um, I'm not going to. Not because I don't like you, but because I'm not going to invest the effort in it.
0: Right. Because you can't. That's, that's, the, that's the, hidden, the hidden message there
1: that you're not saying out loud.
0: I get it. It's okay. You can admit that I was right and you were wrong and that, you know, this is something you can't
1: do. That's fine. When you're I done, will, let me know. I just will accept that. I'm, I'm going to be uh, over here I waiting. could go on. I could go on for a long time, Jeff. I know. But our listeners won't tolerate They're going to turn you off. Well, revolt! No, revolt! Or take they'll, up pitchforks! Or they'll, just,
0: or they'll just keep laughing. Down um, with ham sandwiches. Which, I mean, speaking <laughs> of laughing, they might be laughing at us over this episode. No, um, that's fine. What we've had to say to their thoughts. So, if that's the case, uh, by all means,
1: send in more feedback. Just send a laughing emoji or something, you know?
0: Or you, you will know that. what you mean.
1: You know, you can words send are better words are more communicative.
0: I think I think Jeff brings up a great point. Um, you should definitely send Jeff lots of laughing emojis because you're laughing at him. Um, and you can send me your well thought out <laughs> feedback and I will consider it and then bring it up in a future
1: episode. And uh, and then we'll talk about it. So all the emojis are care of Jeff going to JT. Just so mm-hmm. we're all clear.
0: Yeah. Matrix links, uh, telegram links will be in the show notes. Uh, again, you can send an email directly to me on the website. Uh, there's a little form there you can fill out. Or, if that's too complicated, uh, actually Alex pointed out to me the other day that I have never actually told anyone what the email address is over
1: uh, episode,
0: <laughs> so they would have to go hunt and find it. So, if you want to email me directly, it is JT at MindDripMedia, M-I-N-D-D-R-I-P-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Okay. Yeah, so uh, send us an email, or send me an email, and then I will make sure Jeff gets, uh, gets to see it as well. Uh, and we will cover it.
1: And, uh, yeah, I'm interested in, uh, in any more thoughts that you guys have on this. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure there's more to unpack that we didn't get to, um, pointed out to us and we'll go explore it. Cause these are, I love these. I love the feedback episodes. They're my favorite. So and thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all the feedback. It's wonderful. Send us more. Send us all, well, not all your thoughts, but targeted thoughts on what we've been talking about. And if you have suggestions on, on other interesting topics, I'm sure we'd be willing to at least entertain the idea. So send those in too. You know, Whatever it is that fascinates you is probably going to be fascinating to us also. So let us know what fascinates you, and we'll probably bring it up at some point in the near future. Other than that, JT, any closing thoughts? Any last barbs you want to stick in on me here? Uh, no, I would just end with the last statement of uh, be excellent to each other.